So the reading this morning is Psalm 120. In my distress, I cry to the Lord that he may answer me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe is me that I am an alien in Meshech, that I must live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. For the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for this uh, opportunity to declare your son to people here, those listening. Please help and enable me to do it. And may you be glorified. I pray that the church will be built up in Jesus' name. Amen. Last year, I uh, read a number of books by Eugene Peterson, and uh, one book that really stuck out to me, and it's a bit of a classic, it's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And um, it's basically a kind of a sermons on these psalms of ascents. Now, during the week, I was asked, what are these psalms, what are the psalms of ascents? Well, you'll often see them labelled in the Bible, Psalms 120 through to 134 that we heard about. And the idea was that these psalms were sung by pilgrims, by Jews, as they would travel up to Jerusalem for one of three festivals throughout the year. You'll remember in Acts, or some of you who read the book of Acts, when Peter preaches and all the tongues are being spoken and everything, they're talking about there's people from all around the world. Well, basically, they would have been Jews from all around North Africa, Western Asia, the Mediterranean. Uh, so Jews would travel all the way to Jerusalem, and as they were going up uh, to Jerusalem, Jerusalem's on a hill, they would be singing and repeating these psalms of ascent. So you were always traveling up. Uh, the mountain. But it's also that idea of traveling up on your way to God, to be with God in the temple at Jerusalem. Eugene Peterson kind of uses this, and, and Christians as well, um, as an understanding of a Christian's faith journey. How do we understand these, these psalms for us today? We're not traveling off to Jerusalem, um, but we are on a pilgrimage, we are on a walk of faith as disciples of Jesus Christ. And Peterson says um, that these Psalms are our best background for understanding the life of faith. I love the, the focus that he gives in calling it a long obedience in the same direction. Discipleship, following Christ, is lifelong. You can be in your 90s, having been brought up a Christian all your life, and still be learning new things, still growing in your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. 
So that's by way of a bit of an introduction to this series. And so we're going to be looking at these psalms and thinking about our following of Christ and what we can glean from these psalms for that. I'm going to read from the message, which is Peterson's translation uh, of this uh, psalm. In my trouble, I cry to God, desperate for an answer. Deliver me from liars, God. They smile so sweetly, but they lie through their teeth. Do you know what's next? Can you see what's coming? All you barefaced liars, pointed arrows and burning coals will be your reward. I'm doomed to live in Meshech, cursed with the home of Kedar. My whole life lived camping among quarreling neighbors. I'm all for peace, but the minute I tell them so, they go to war. I've uh, started watching a series on ABC called Nemesis. And it's about the coalition government uh, and the changes of leadership that happened, uh, not through voting, but uh, internal politics, from Abbott to Turnbull to ScoMo. It's a fascinating series. Uh, I think there's, there's two that are in there so far. It reveals kind of deep mistrust that our political leaders have had for one another. The sense of betrayal and the incredulity many had towards uh, not those of the opposition, but to those of the same party, their closest colleagues. Uh, now, to be fair, I also found a similar series based on the Labor Party during uh, the terms of Rudd, uh, Gillard and Rudd again. Uh, would you like to have a guess at what that series was called? That's right, The Killing Season. And it's much the same as Nemesis. Mistrust, lies, betrayal, conflict, no peace. This doesn't simply happen in the political arena. It's at every level of society. Uh, the only exception I can think of is Melbourne Synod. Um, <laughs> you laugh. Yes, of course, it happens in the church. There's no time, no culture that is exempt from these things. And no wonder we go back into ancient literature and we have what we've heard today, deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. It's even stated more starkly in Psalm 116, I said in my consternation or dismay, everyone is a liar. Have you ever felt like this? Have you ever been at this point, that sense of just not being able to trust anyone, that the world is a terrible place? As I was thinking about this psalm during the week, I thought of a more modern lament or a cry, um, goodbye, cruel world. Now, I couldn't find out who coined that phrase. I know it's, it's fairly modern, uh, when I say modern, within the last 100 years or so. Um, but I found, what I found that was interesting was comments online about the phrase and what, how people interpret it, what they think about it. And a lot of it was quite depressing, uh, one person said this, why would this world be so cruel? 
I often wonder that myself. I remember when I was about 10 years old, I was in a shop and I asked my mother, why are some people not nice to each other? I'm now 67 years old and I still do not know the answer. In fact, to be honest, people were nicer to each other when I was that child. I don't have a good enough answer for why this world is so cruel. Now, different words are used between the Psalm 120 and Goodbye Cruel World, but essentially it's expressing the same abhorrence of the world and of other people. Now, verse 2 in the message translation I read out before, deliver me from liars, God. They smile so sweetly but lie through their teeth. But there is a difference between Psalm 120 and the cry, goodbye, cruel world. The cry, goodbye, cruel world, is spoken to an impersonal world. It is directed at everyone, but said to no one in particular. It's nihilistic. It perceives the world as a harsh reality, but that's it. It's all bad, a cruel world. The psalmist, on the other hand, speaks to God, and that makes all the difference. The world is cruel, the psalmist would agree. It's full of lies, no one can be trusted, conflicts happen even when I seek peace, says the psalmist. Yet, there is God. The truth, there is truth and love, not corrupted by the cruel world. Now, the opening phrase of the psalm is, in my distress, and the very last word is war. So this psalm doesn't come across as having much positive at all. Yet despite the lies, the deceit, the nasty neighborhood of peace haters, there is hope at the heart of this psalm. Hope because the Lord is there, and the Lord sees and hears. The Lord is above it all. In my distress, I cry to the Lord that he may answer me. Now, the greatest cruelty to come out of the cruel world is a lie. And the lie is this, that there is no loving God to turn to. In the classic book, Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan, uh, Christian, the pilgrim and, and his friend, Hopeful, get caught by a big giant. The giant is called Despair. And the giant seeks to rob them of all their hope and so places them into what's called a very dark dungeon. And he tortures them, treats them badly, starves them, doesn't give them any drink. And uh, he impresses on them that they will never leave. And finally, the giant suggests that they make an end of themselves and says this, for why should you choose life, seeing that it is attended with so much bitterness? The greatest lie of the cruel world is the lie that there is no loving God who hears, sees, and has mercy for you and can change everything around. And so if there's no God, then there is no hope, 
and the cruel world is all you have. Now, the question could be asked, well, how do people uh, keep going? How do we respond to this? How do people live? Well, I think some people don't see the world as that bad. You know, often I hear people say things like, well, you know, people are essentially good. Um, Of course, no one starts out thinking everyone's a liar, Uh, everyone is in it for their own gain. Rather, trust is eroded over time. Often we might oscillate, I think, between thinking people are okay, uh, everything's okay, and the world's a terrible place. Uh, If you've ever been scammed online, anything like that's ever happened to you, something bad, been in traffic, suffered at road rage, it can be really daunting, can't it? You can just start to think this world is terrible. Uh, But we oscillate between thinking it's like that and it's not. But other times I think evil can be so prevalent, it's undeniable. And we can look back and even think of the 20th century and the evil that happened there in so many uh, places. Could you imagine living through that? I don't think you could have that view of oscillating between, oh, yeah, people are okay and evil. I think it would be so confronting that you would be stuck there. There's no holiday from the all-pervasive evil. So what then? Well, one option is that people just choose to blend in. If you can't beat them, join them. It's a dog-eat-dog world. The evil outside is used as an excuse to justify the evil within. But there is another way, another option, and it's to look for the good. Now, being confronted by all-pervasive evil is an awful place to be in, but it's also a place where grace may be found. It might be longed for and received. And it's therefore, it can be a turning point towards the good. One commentator on Psalm 120 starts this way. People submerged in a culture swarming with lies and malice feel as if they're drowning in it. They can trust nothing they hear, depend on no one they meet. Such dissatisfaction with the world as it is, is preparation for traveling in the way of Christian discipleship. The way of Christian discipleship, why is that? Well, for one, the Bible affirms what you are observing, that the world is a cruel place, that there's lies, violence, it is a cruel world. The Bible will say, yeah, you're seeing that correctly. And second, despite the cruelness of the world, we have this deep sense that it should not be this way that the world is not as it should be, and and hence the reason why a 10-year-old girl will ask her mum, why are some people not nice to each other? Something's wrong here. And the Bible answers both those questions, why we sense the world is not as it should be, why we have that sense, and why people do evil. The truth that comes shining through the pages of the Bible 
which shatters the hopelessness of the cruel world is this, that there is a God and God made you and God loves you. And the truth about other people is that God made them and loves them too. You have that in common with everyone. They are your neighbor. And the truth about what's wrong with the world is you and everyone else. Because we've refused to live by the goodness of God and by his love and, for, and have that love for one another. Rather, we live for ourselves. And the truth at the center of it all, even history itself, is that Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross. He suffered the cruelty of the world. Our selfishness, our evil, our cruelty, our sin, it was all on him. The Bible says he was punished for us. And he was raised from death for us, promising his new life to be ours, given for us. As we believe in him, accept his mercy, respond to his love, attend to his commands. Now, accepting this truth is the great turning point for everyone who follows Jesus Christ. It is saying to the cruel world, I am not with you anymore. I will not play your game. I will not be like you. No to the cruel world. And it is saying yes to Jesus Christ. I believe in you. I will follow you as my Lord and my Savior. This is the act of repentance, turning away from the world, turning to God through Jesus Christ, his Son. And it's a long obedience as well, for we continue in this path. All of life is repentance, Martin Luther said. We continue to turn away from the cruel world, not hating it, but turning to God and learning to love him through Jesus Christ. Psalm 120, repentance. It's our first step on the road of following Christ. Amen.